Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's episode, I speak with visual engineer, director, and photographer, Steve Geralt. Steve has worked with clients such as Pepsi, Jack Daniels, Timberland, and Hershey's, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Steve about how he got into photography, his experience working with legendary photographer Richard Avedon, what drew him to food, beverage, and product photography, and I also speak to him about the amazing motion work he's currently doing with robots and pneumatics. Steve is an extremely talented photographer and business owner, so I was really excited to get a chance to speak with him about his journey within the photography industry. So I hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right, Steve Geralt, how you doing today, man? I'm good, I'm good. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, like I said before we started recording here, um, you actually came and spoke to my RIT class like 12 years ago, and it's just been really interesting to see the progression of your work. Like you're doing some really interesting stuff here. Um, so excited to talk to you. But I guess to kind of start off, I was kind of curious, like how you got into photography initially. Oh boy, bringing it way back. Yeah, way back, back man. to the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's been exciting for me, too. I, I, if you asked me 12 years ago if I'd be doing the work I was doing today, I would say, what? Uh, robots and yeah. video? And I don't, I don't know. Um, but to bring it back, uh, I, started pic- I, I started taking pictures when I was in high school. as part of the uh, high school new- newspaper. And we were just doing an article on a football game. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go take pictures of it because we had nobody to take pictures of it. Yeah. So I borrowed my dad's uh, FM2 Nikon and went out there, shot some 35 millimeter film. And then I was like, I'll shoot some more events and I'll shoot some more events. And then uh, senior year of high school, I was the yearbook photographer. So I was the guy that had the camera on his neck everywhere. And that, you know, every, we all know that guy. In New York? Uh, no, down in Miami. Miami. I'm from Miami, Florida, originally, yes. That's cool. So your your pops was kind of into photography a little bit, kind of a hobby? Not at all. He was an engineer. Exactly, hobby. He would take the family pictures. He, would, right. he would break out the tripod and, you know, like good. self-timer and, you know, run and get in there. And yeah. they're usually not very good. But, you know, I had access to the camera and, you know, I just started taking pictures, which I think for most people is how you should just start. You know? yeah, yeah, get after it. So was your like, family pretty supportive of you always kind of with your photography and They were, yeah. I mean, they, that was a really lucky part of it all because that's you know how I ended up at RIT was, you know, after high school, I actually got a full-time job at a high school yearbook portrait studio. Yeah. So I was shooting high school yearbook portraits and I was doing sports and proms and all that really basic kind of portrait level stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I wanted more. I was, I wanted more information and Miami the back, especially back then didn't have a whole lot of work outside of that other than, you know, doing weddings or quinceañeras and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah. uh, luckily one of my good friends, dads was a photographer and he told my parents that I should really go away to school and go get a better experience. Yeah. And I was like, that'd be cool. That's great. Like I didn't, think we could afford it and, and whatever but uh luckily i ended up transferring to rt so i was only there two years okay so i did summer transfer which is like a really cool program that i don't know if exists yeah, I did, anymore yeah. i did it too yeah yes photo to transfer uh with uh dennis stefan gunther cartwright which were amazing and uh and brutal um, <laughs> <laughs> and then sure enough i started as a third year student and i was there two years that's amazing like going from miami to rochester <laughs> that must have been quite the uh change for you man the 
white powdery stuff was not sand <laughs> anymore. That's cool. And like when you're at RIT, like like looking at your work now, it's a lot of uh, product, beverage, and all the stuff you're doing. Um, were you kind of always interested in like still life, or like what kind of stuff were you shooting like early on, even like RIT, I guess. Yeah, I didn't really know that still life really existed until I went to RIT. <laughs> um, I, I went to RIT being like, I'm going to be a fashion photographer because I was from Miami and there was just like sexy people everywhere that were easy to photograph. Uh, so I was really introduced to it there and I kind of fell in love with it. Then I was kind of like, oh, wait, the weather's nice. Let me go back outside, outside the studio and do other stuff. So I actually graduated RIT wanting to be a travel photographer. So it was a little bit of the stuff and the people and the places. Yeah. You know, I couldn't really nail down exactly what I wanted to do. So when I moved to New York City after Rochester to start assisting for other photographers, I really started being in the studio more with people. And I was like, oh, I kind of, you know, there's a challenge to this I really enjoy. But still, for the first few years, I was still trying to be a like, travel photographer that then pushed into food pretty quickly. Got it. Because it's a big part of travel is, you know, the magazines you go here, you eat this thing. Yeah. Um, so for me, and food just kind of came to me naturally. I, I didn't take any classes in school for food. I just started shooting food, and, and it seemed natural to me. And uh, sure enough, before I knew it, I had a food portfolio, and then a product portfolio, and it kind of just... It's where the wind blew me in, in some ways in the early years. Yeah, because I remember actually one, I believe it was on your website back in the day, like you did a series, I think you either went to like Savannah, Georgia or something, and you shot for 24 hours straight. It, that was you, right? Yep, that was me. That yeah. was, I remember looking at your website back in the day, and I just thought that was really cool. Like when you're first starting out before you work with all these big clients, like was that kind of like half what you're doing is try to build your portfolio, just kind of shooting for yourself and kind of self-assigning pretty much? Yeah, no, I, that's totally how you have to do it. Yeah. I think today too is I basically I was working mostly after the first year in New York City I was doing a little editorial for some magazines little jobs you know that had like a $500 budget or something like that and then I was working as a photo assistant and actually mostly as a digital tech which kind of was this new yeah. thing digital oh is this whole new thing so I was like the wizard that knew how to use the computer and um, I would get paid pretty well as a digital tech and I would work really regularly so when I had a break I'd be like, oh, where's where, where there a cheap airfare to somewhere? I'm just going to fly there and take pictures. And, and that Savannah one, I told myself as a personal challenge, I'm like, I'm going to take a good picture every hour for 24 hours and then get back on the plane and come back. Um, I didn't even need a hotel room. I just had a rental car done. Awesome. And um, I slept real good on the plane back. Um, but yeah, I, I, I find you, I advance often by the challenges I put on myself. It's not, you know, yeah. that nobody else could do that for you really. Um, and I think that's a challenge to a lot of younger people is finding that motivation to just do something to get started. And I, I think I've always been really good at just like, Steve, crazy idea. Just go do it. And like, yeah. what's the worst case? I lost a day. Ooh, not, not so bad. Yeah, because that's like the interesting thing. Like anybody following along on your Instagram, you have like huge following and you're always posting really interesting stuff is like it seems like you're like learning is something you're constantly this like getting after is like school and learning something you've always just kind of enjoyed like this kind of this kind of building on your skill set pretty much yeah absolutely it's, it's my ultimate passion is learning new things like I, I there's nothing that bores me more than doing the same thing more than like once or twice you know until yeah. i get it right and then i'm like all right next shoot we're gonna do that better right and next shoot we're gonna do that even better and crazier and that's how we ended up where we are today which is yeah. every shoot's getting a little crazier and crazier which is uh actually super fun and and i mean for to me like you know i, I went to a big school like rat just to, to learn advertising photography but 
the the gap between that degree that I got whatever fifteen years ago or seven I don't know how many years ago that was yeah um, till today was filled by continuing education classes I took I took classes in like welding and woodworking and electronic circuits and plastics and epoxies and Arduino and all these weird things that just have this thirst for learning and knowledge and and doing things with my hands and creating um, I think more than anything I'm a, I'm just a natural creator I need to be creating something like every day yeah um, and between that and just self-experimentation is kind of how I got from that to kind of the visual engineering I'm doing today. And like with this business, when you're working commercially, I would imagine like a big part of like how you set yourself aside is obviously having creative ideas, but then pushing the technology of what you're doing. Because like, I don't know too many people that are using these robots. I actually had experience with the Bolt. I, I work with Hasbro sometimes. Oh, nice. They and just they, bought one. Yeah. They, they just bought one. And I, I didn't use it. I helped the guy move it. <laughs> nice. It was pretty intense. It's cute. The junior they got on track, right? But yeah. Yeah, yeah. But is that like something you're always trying to like... Uh, this kind of off your clients like this uh, utilize new technologies and kind of looking for what's next pretty much yeah I mean yes and no I mean to me how do I tell the story differently which also ties into technology is usually the biggest thing I'm pushing you know at the end of the day it's easy to get caught up on like our process on how we get there but the most important thing as to why I get hired is the way I tell these visual stories and how I come up with like oh let's shoot food and we'll make it fly in the air and the camera will spin upside down and then fishing line will pull the sandwich apart midair and then we'll you know we'll dive into the drink and then we'll you know it's 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 kind of pre-visualize that story and and try to break the norms of like oh well you've already seen done in a food or beverage commercial before yeah. um and i think to me that's always honestly what i spend a lot of time as a director doing is i have to lay out these ideas to a client and explain them and write them out in a treatment and conference calls and the whole sales pitch and do everything that we have to do um which is the precursor to the execution which is where we bring the technology in and and sometimes you know access to a certain new technology will inspire the story too so it kind of it's it's yeah, kind yeah. of a push pull both ways there for sure and like when you first got out of RIT and you're like digital tech and I think I think I saw another interview you were work, you digital tech Richard Avedon is that correct I did get the chance to do that yes what was that experience working with like that guy like so it was actually a really funny story so one of the Company, I would work freelancer as a, freelance as a digital tech for this one uh, digital capture company called Vision On that owned all the computers and the digital backs and all this stuff. And basically, he, the guy that owned that company, knew some of Dick Avedon's assistants, and they're like, "Dick wants to shoot digital for some job. He's yeah. never done it before." So they're like, "Can you come over here and show you know Dick how?" like digital works so i was actually the guy that got to do that so Damn. i came went to his upper east side studio and we set up the camera it was a hasselblad 555 body um, with a digital phase one digital back on it and you know we we're like set it up he, he was just going to do a portrait of his one of his assistants just to test it out and see yeah, how yeah. it felt and you know the funniest thing from that day was like he was just like shooting away i mean he was like already 80 years old or whatever so he mostly wasn't even focusing the camera somebody else was doing that for him it was more about the excitement he wanted to get out of the person like that was the most awesome part about being around him was his energy level was still insane and just like just getting that that energy and that connection with the subject was really what he was all about like it wasn't about the light and about the camera and you know whatever it is but the funny thing is, you know, he had the shutter release in his hand and he took 12 frames and he stopped. 
because he was used to film where oh, you yeah. had to like reload the, the roll of film <laughs> and we're like dick you can shoot all day just go ahead go 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 and he was like whoa that's kind of crazy you know and um, we ended up coming back because he did get hired for a job where it was just actually just a self-portrait of himself for HP or something I forgot who it was for damn um so he was like in front of it and I was there with him. And, That's when you, you know, know you've made it, when you're getting hired to photograph yourself. Self, right, exactly. <laughs> when HP hires you or whatever to hire to photograph yourself for them. And even better, and you could just deliver to them two files. You delete everything else and you're like, these are the two you get to choose this from. This is what I've allowed Done. you to use. Yeah, and that, that was pretty amazing. That's but funny. no, more than anything, I mean, what I learned from him was like in just that, you know, very brief um, instance and these two meetings that we had with him is just how like he he was going for the story the story was the energy of this person and and like the rest of it is important obviously if his lighting was horrible it wouldn't have the same effect in his composition or whatever it is but yeah. at the end of the day having that ability to go f- reach for the stars and getting the energy you want and, and put the person in and kind of create this narrative that you want yeah. is you know the, the power of an image maker whether it's film or video or digital or film or whatever it is yeah no no doubt that's really interesting and you know i think like a lot of people listening like the uh, when you're making the transition from your digital tech in and all along were you kind of this envisioning becoming a full-time shooter while you're working as a digital absolutely tech? yeah that was 100 percent my goal yeah how do you kind of make that transition because i think it's like definitely something a lot of people struggle with is like they might have a 95 or they might be doing assisting and like right. trying to you know you can get one little editorial job like you said that pays 500 bucks but making that jump to where you're, right. you're working full-time you can make a living how do you kind of make that transition yeah, the, the, I think the number one lesson I learned there, because, I mean, I was in New York maybe, I think it was like two years, and I was like, that's it, this year I'm going to go on shooting myself yeah. and, and not going to assist anymore. And, and the lesson I learned was it's not up to you. It's really up to your clients. Like when your clients think that you're ready is that that's and they start hiring you, that's when you could make that transition. Unless you have regular clients often enough, like you're going to be starving on the street and not making any money. Yeah. And I think, I think people don't realize how soon you need to start preparing for that. Like, you know, but basically the second I moved to New York, I was trying to work on my own stuff almost every day I could, you know, so like you, basically. So you're working as a digital tech work, but then also working on your own portfolio and kind yeah. of, and still marketing yourself yeah. to clients. I set, I set myself actually office hours, like basically like, so if I did worked as a digital tech from, you know, nine to six, I would go in and work from seven to midnight. So I give myself like every week I wanted at least 15 hours of me working on furthering my personal career outside of digital teching or assisting or whatever it is. Um, so I would go in, you know, two or three days, two, two or three nights a week and put in those hours at least, you know, if I didn't put in more. Um, eventually I moved, like, I just had my computer at home and then I was like, I need to like separate work and home a little because I was just working all the time. <laughs> so I got a little office that was like 400 bucks a month in Manhattan that I shared with some other people. And I would just go to work. So after my shoot, I would go there. I'd work. Then when I, when I came home, I was home and I tried to not work too much. Um, but I feel that's the only way I got to going from sh- you know assisting for you know people, other people, to shooting on my own in three years after moving to New York City. And that's like working my like day and night trying to make that happen. And I think like and I think a lot of people put short intense efforts in like oh okay i'm slow this month so i'm gonna work really hard and then they get really busy doing other stuff and then they get sidetracked 
and you, the, the key is you got to keep that ball moving. Um, or as I, I wrote an article for Petapixel years ago, it's like, it's like seeds and you got to water your seeds. You know, like when you start planting these ideas, you got to, you're planting your seeds, but if you just water them really hard for a month and then you walk away from them, yeah. then you're pretty much starting from scratch yeah. three months later. Cause you have to plant new seeds again. Yeah. Like you got to keep this continuous arduous, uh, <laughs> you know, journey of trying to be successful in this industry and, and, as an artist and as a you know commercial artist as well yeah you got to have a plan and it's like early on uh, there's probably lots of times where nothing's really happening like you're not seeing uh, the results from all the work you're putting in but it's just like you feel the longer you like you said you just kind of have a regiment and you kind of get after it and slowly but surely your name starts to get out there right right yeah i just believe in, in and i've had this multiple times in my career where even you know once again even as recently as like three years ago right let me see what 2020 yeah so basically i went from still photography and about three years ago three or four years ago is when i made the transition into video and visual engineering and i went from having the worst year for my business ever where we were literally meeting with a real estate broker about selling our apartment so we had some more money to to make it last a little longer to really hope that this visual engineering thing was going to catch on yeah. so we were we were there i mean and you know even after doing this for 15 years so but then the year after that was my best year ever so it's kind of like yeah. you just have to keep the faith and it's incredibly hard you know and incredibly stressful especially at this point i had a wife and a kid and you know all those realities um but you have to be, if you're the one willing to work hardest for it, you'll get it. If you're honest with yourself as to, are you good at this? Is this, are you being your best self? Yeah. You know, is this something that truly takes advantage of all the skills that you have? Um, and I think that, that for me, going from still photography into what I'm doing now, like I'm being my best self right now. I mean, I found the combination of all the skills I have as an individual, not just being able to take good pictures or videos. And I'm using them in the work that I do today. Is that was that kind of like the catalyst? Like you're having a rough year, you're like, all right, I need to switch up, and it was that kind of like what kind of make you jump? Or no, actually, I the, I started the transition bef before that. Okay, you know? so I was the 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 rough year was because I was moving away from the old stuff, Got but it. the new stuff hadn't taken place yet. Yeah. So it was kind of the leap of it was that leap of faith moment where you at some point you have to stop doing the old thing to do the new thing because there's not enough time in the day to do both. Like I couldn't be working doing still photos every day all day long if i want to do video you know at some point i had to start turning clients away and and pushing them away a little bit so that i have the time and the ability to do wow the thing i believed in yeah damn yeah, so yeah. yeah. because otherwise you're just you, you know you're at the mercy of what the world wants to hand you and and that you know isn't usually what you want and was that like because like you said you're starting off you're you're still photographer and then you're then you make the jump into the, like video and all the stuff you're doing with robotics and engineering and was that like a hard sell to like clients or, or that you were working with or, or were you basically trying to market this to a whole new world of like people pretty much it was it's i mean luckily i had a few clients that crossed over that were like oh i'm a still producer but now they're asking me to do video so I, some of my first clients were those people that were like oh we have the same budget we had for stills yeah. for some videos can you do it and i needed those projects to also learn what the hell i was doing um, so yeah, there was definitely some of that, but for the most part, the clients I'm shooting for today are completely different people than the people I used to shoot for. Yeah. I, I mean, some things carry over in aesthetics and lighting and the way the business works and things like that. But basically I made a startup 
all over again, basically three or four years ago, where we just kind of almost wow. closed the old business and started a new one, yeah. you know, with already a facility in Manhattan and people and, you know, employees and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, guts, man. Uh, that's amazing. No gut, and, all the guts, you know, if you want the glory, <laughs> you know. That's right. And, like, it was, it's like running a business, something you, you've always felt comfortable with. Is it something you feel like you've gotten, like, because, like, looking at, like, we're sitting here in your studio, right? And I was, is this mid, Midtown Manhattan? Midtown, yeah. Yeah, we're in yeah. Midtown. Nice, big studio. You got three people working for you. The, the robots. Is this, like, managing all this something that take you a while to, like, get used to managing? Obviously, you, you grow over time. Right. But you build up to it. Exactly. I was going to say, like, you, you start simple with, like, working you know so i tell people when you're just assisting or starting out your first things like you have to get good at being the business in of that like getting your invoices and tracking your expenses and do all those things and to some people that's like a non-starter for some people some people just don't have business abilities uh, i don't know if that class would help them i think just some people should just work for other people True. or partner with the right person to fill in the gaps that they have. Definitely. But for me, business and marketing kind of came natural for the most part. My, my dad had his own small, small business um, my whole life pretty much. So I always saw how hard he worked and what he was always balancing the checkbook and doing all this stuff. And yeah. um, I wish he actually taught me some more of the stuff he was doing. <laughs> but um, I, I observed it and I was like, oh, these are things that I should be doing. Yeah. And... Um, I think marketing is a big, big one because if you can't get your name out there in this industry, that's your first challenge. Because I know lots of really great artists that aren't really great at yeah. marketing themselves, or they're not great business people either. So you, you get asked to do a job, and you're like, "I'll do it for like two dollars," and and then or or I want forty million dollars. You know, like it's finding that right sweet spot of what's your value at that point in time realistically without undercutting yourself and and that constantly changes you know every year i have a like i don't get out of bed for at least this much money kind of number and that number used to be like two hundred dollars when i was an assistant and then you know it's a little different now that's actually i was going to ask you because like 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 you said you have the studio you got your staff you got the equipment you use so there's a good amount of overhead is there times where jobs come at you where creatively you're you're into them but you have to walk away from them just because the amount you have to look at your bottom line almost every day. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. gotta be tough. Like, yeah. There, uh, it is a challenge, especially, you know, the, the reality is, you know, the cost of everything you see, the robots, the phantom camera, that's a hundred thousand dollar camera, all the, all the stuff that we have that yeah. we're still paying payments on and you know, they aren't free. Yeah. Um, like, Yes, I, I, they, we need to be billing for those things. And if, you know, clients like, we have $2,000, it's like, I can't, you know, the, the Phantom camera alone rents for, you know, $3,500 a day, you yeah. know, by itself. So I'm not going to do a whole shoot for $2,000. And yeah. it's unfortunate sometimes and we try to, where we can, we try to work with people. If like, it's, let's say it's a category that we wanted to do a test in and we had a great idea that we wanted to do anyway, then hey as long as they let it, us do it the way we want to do it they're, they're not even here for the shoot it's yeah. totally hands off and they still contribute some money then it's kind of a, a best of both worlds kind of thing but it's only going to be a one-time yeah. thing that's going to happen for that client yeah because yeah. it's like you can use it almost like it's a marketing piece to show to some other client that you want to go after pretty much right yeah which is, has happened, you know, like we've done like a pizza test and then like we put that out on Instagram and suddenly we have like four calls for bids for the like dominoes pizza hut dominoes. <laughs> yeah, no, this is hilarious. Um, and that, and that's the interesting thing is like, even as far as we've come today in the work that we're doing, we still have to constantly be innovating. We have to, you know, like the world will forget about you faster than ever today because there's so much new information, new people, new imagery, new platforms coming out every day that if you don't stay relevant, then 
you're just going to be, you know, in some ways forgotten unless, you know, you're incredibly innovative. But, you know, the reality is the work that we're doing, there, there is competition around the world for sure. Mm-hmm. Before it used to be like, oh, who am I competing against with in New York? Yep. Now it's like, oh, we lost that job to Germany or we lost that job to, you know, Argentina or whatever it is. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of fun in that way. We're like, oh, the, I really respect those people's yeah. work. And <laughs> I'm like, wow, I didn't think in, you know, four years of going this new direction that I'm competing against the world's best tabletop, you know, studios. So, yeah. you know, we're really kind of excited about what's going to be, where we're going to be in another four years. No, it's amazing. And like when you first started getting into the robots, like how do you even get into that? Because I think a lot of people looking at it, like you said, like I know from working with these robots, some of these robots are like $300,000 a piece. Like they're very expensive. And like, how do you even like, like had you had, you, you can't really rent these things. Like, yeah, you can. You, yeah. you can? Yeah. You That's can? how I started. Yeah. Right. So I was going to say, I mean, I think that's probably one of the number one, well, there's two number one questions I get on Instagram almost every day. One is like, what's the starter robot? (laughs) Um, And honestly, there is. The starter robot is a motorized slider with a pan tilt head on it and autofocus. You know, really, you know, with with that, you get about three or four axes of movement and there's a lot of things you could do. Yes, you're not going to be able to do that perfect over-the-top orbit shot. That's a really specific one. But with a good jib, you might be able to pull that off with a good operator um, there's ways of doing these shots. Like we didn't invent these shots and, and people were doing a lot of these before the robot, you know, the six axis robot to be specific. Yeah. Um, so there are options to start with, you know, you can rent them. There's actually now from the company that the robot we use, the bolt, there's over a hundred bolts in the world now. Okay. Um, there's actually two in this building. There's mine and somebody else in oh, this building damn. has one. Um, there was actually, yeah, three robots on 37th Street and <laughs> three more robots on 38th Street. So, no, they're becoming more and more common, on, especially for tabletop shooters like myself that do product and everything has to be super precise. Um, so that's the number one question I get on Instagram is what's the starter robot? And once again, I, I, I didn't own a Phantom when I started. I didn't own any robots when I started. You know, I did a lot of stuff manually and I just like grabbing the head on a slider. Um, I rented Phantoms from people. I would try to work deals with them be like, Hey, it's Christmas holiday. Probably no one's going to be using your Phantom. Can I rent it really cheap this week? And then, you know, So, or like, uh, there's rental houses in New York City called like Adorama that they would do these like um, Jewish holiday closings that they'd be closed for like two weeks, like B&H photo too, but they don't do rentals, but uh, Adorama does. So they would have this special like, hey, you know, two weeks for the price of like three days. So I would take advantage of every single one of those. They only came like twice a year, but I would make sure I had like... The, the studio doors were locked. I was inside of it with the cameras and just playing and learning and messing around. Because, you know, otherwise... There's only so much you could do without at least access to one of those pieces of equipment. Yeah. Um, and once again, I would save up ideas and money so that when I those opportunities came, I could take advantage of it. So, you know, I'm not, you know, what the challenge with that is like I had, thanks to my photography career, already had some lenses and I had some lights and things that I can move over to the other side or else you're kind of starting from scratch. Yeah. But we're, you know, actually just not to segue too far, but we're um, trying to launch in the next few months, a Kickstarter for an online educational platform, teaching the work that we do. Yes. Yeah, and a lot of it starting with the very basics of what can you do with your iPhone and some cheap lights that we can, we can help you make. We're going to have kits that you can make your own LED lights and all sorts of stuff and, and show how approachable starting in the work that we do can be. Yeah. That's interesting, yeah, because I, like I said, I never really use these things. So it's like, because it's, 
the thing about the reason you want to utilize them because you can make precise movements like repeat over exactly and over. the same way every single time and i would imagine you have to probably learn the software that probably goes with it is was that did it take you a very long time is it's it, really painful yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> um no it's it's a super you know as far as the the robots we use today there are six axis industrial robots that were designed for car factories basically and, and automation and they've been repurposed for cinematography uh, the ones that we use run the software called Flare. It's made by Mark Roberts, motion control out of England. And it's a really powerful software. I mean, this, this, they also make the same robots that they use, these huge cranes for like Harry Potter and for all these other big Hollywood productions. So they make, they, they make these amazing motion control machines. Some of them are million-dollar robots. Um, and the software is, the same software runs all of them. So it's super f- feature rich and you could do all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, challenging to learn. But once you learn how to use it, um, it's great. I mean, we have on jobs, I don't operate the robot myself. Okay. Uh, I have an operator that runs it. But I sometimes will Jump sit in. in the chair for a second and yeah, yeah. be like, no, no, let me just show you what I mean, what I want. the Because the, you know, without I mean, I actually touch the camera, move it physically. I have to explain to somebody else how I want to move or orbit around something and, and it's just a language that takes a little bit of challenge and, and for me that's why we own the robots is I wanted to live with them I wanted to know them really well so that they're not slowing us down trying to program these moves and trying to like explain to a rental operator you know what I'm trying to do yeah but um but no, to get started, I didn't own any robots. I, you know, the internet thought I owned like a million already, but it was just I would rent them when I needed them yeah. and charge it back to a client. So, yeah. and not, once again, not every job is a robot job. Like, there's some jobs where we use no robots at all, which is crazy. Yeah, um, you just got to finesse. Like your rental houses. I know a rental house in Boston where like if you're like a like a frequent customer, um, they'll actually work with like filmmakers and help them. Like, hey, we'll use this yeah. Alexa for a week. Like same thing you did. It's just like you just have to ask them. And like can talk to these people because they want your business those rental houses and if you're a, a good customer they want they want to keep yeah. keep you working it's like it's yeah like, absolutely yeah, the guy that would rent the phantom from same thing i mean he would if if he knew he was gonna be out of town or not using it or didn't have any other rentals he would give me a good deal and then sure enough when i started getting paid jobs i started renting his phantom from him for the paid jobs and then mm-hmm. even just last week we had a job where we needed to have two phantoms so i had to start i still rented his on top of my phantom yeah um so no it's it's those connections that if you put that effort in at the beginning a lot of houses and places yeah. if they know that you're gonna you know try to do good by them in the long term yeah. they'll definitely help you out now i know looking at your website you guys have three robot robots would be it's bob robbie and johnny five um like what does each robot have a different like uh tool that you use like uh, application absolutely yeah Yeah. well i mean robbie and johnny five kind of cross over a little bit but you know bob's the camera moving robot he's the bolt so he's super high speed carries the camera um, sometimes the camera plus a payload. We've done shoots where you know backgrounds are bolted to the robot with the camera and everything moving together. Yeah. Um, he's super. You know he could carry like 50, 40 pounds or fifty pounds. So he's pretty strong. Yeah. Um, Robbie is a very basically a tiny version of him. Same manufacturer, same kind of robot. We use him mostly for pours. So a lot of time we do a lot of beverage here. Yeah. Um, it's been like yeah, all the beverage, and uh, he's really precise at pouring things exactly when we want them to and exactly 
um, at the time we need him to do the pour. And then Johnny Five is a little more user friendly in that he's a he's a UR 10e robot is what his it's just a fact that one's like straight off the factory floor basically so it's a collaborative robot so it's a little more friendly you could actually grab the end of the robot and move it by hand and say hey go from here to here to here so it's actually really quick to program yeah. so we use them a lot for moving lights around because lights don't have to be quite as exact as like a camera or a lens like if there's a little shake and a light moving you won't really see it. So he's a really good overall, you know, sometimes he does pours too and other things. Um, but for me, it's it's having all three of those things on robots versus just one of those things is what makes the difference in that basically whenever we're doing any job, that's, let's say a beverage job, like first thing we got to do is get the pour the way we want the pour. So we start with the little robot that has the pour. Oh, that's a perfect shape. It's right on target. It's the right amount of pour. It didn't overflow the glass, like all those kinds of things. Like so length of pour and shape of pour and blah, 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 blah. So we get that right. And then we're like, okay, now we know where that's going to be in space. So now we can move the camera around that action because we know where that action is going to happen every single time the same, you know, at the same time at the same speed, et cetera. Yeah. So then we program the robot that has the camera around that. And then once we know the path of those two things, then we could bring in a light. If we want to move the light to make it look as amazing at all angles, because as the camera moves, sometimes you can move into like shitty light mode, as I call it. So where, you know, it was great. The light was great when you started the move, but at the end of the move, you've, let's say, you've come 90 degrees around. Yeah. And now you're like, it's like front lit or whatever. It's like flary. Or, so a lot of times to get the, the, the most amazing light throughout the whole shot, we do slight movements to the light as well, or really big, deliberate movements to the light. So that it's the symphony of those three working together. Because from, from you know, for me from the beginning, I'm like, I want three robots. It wasn't like, oh, let me get one more. No, it was like, because like that was kind of my plan on how I wanted to work. Because yeah. most of the times when you go to a lot of markets that just have a bolt and that's they have one robot, that's all they could do. Yeah. The lighting looks horrible because they're like, oh, well, I can't get a light anywhere near that robot because it's moving from here to here. Yeah. So I got to back the lights up so it gets super flat yeah. and super boring. And I didn't want to give up. Where possible, I didn't want to give up anything for the fact that I wanted to move the camera. Because yeah. to me, I'd rather have a beautifully lit shot with the camera not moving as much than one that looks horrible that I'm just moving around, which yeah. usually isn't as strong of a shot. Yeah, it allows you to be more like dynamic, I guess. Um, is that like one thing I was kind of interested in is like obviously you have your team here, you got your producer Haley and a couple other guys that work with you. How, how does you guys' production work? Because like you're pretty much the director on these sets, yep. and like who kind of like when you're shooting a job for say Pepsi, are, is the client coming to you and being like, hey, we want X, Y, and these movements? Or are you basically kind of coming up with the creative and kind of like kind of putting it together for the client a little it's bit? It's a little bit of both, yeah. yeah. So more often than not now a client's coming to me with a start a jumping off point we like to call it yeah uh where it's like they have some storyboards of kind of the basic idea that they want to get done and then i i kind of grab that from them and i usually do what's called a treatment which is like my interpretation of what they're asking where i talk about camera movements light movement you know colors and lighting and all the all the details that make my work what my work is and then we kind of go together on like, okay, we love everything about this, oh, but we need, you know, the client has this requirement for marketing that they need, blah, blah, blah. And then we kind of work that out. Uh, we just did a, you know, huge soda job last week. Um, that was a mix of food and soda. And once again, they came to me with their general idea, but then I kind of turned everything upside down, yeah. almost literally, like every, we kind of went anti-gravity on the whole thing. And... Um, 
yeah, and they they loved it. They're like, "This is an amazing idea. Let's do this." And, yeah. and that's where I sometimes I function. I mean, I'm definitely the director. Yeah. Sometimes I'm a technical director, and that you know, it's some of the things are just very technical exercises. Yeah. And um, a reason a lot of clients come to me is because I function kind of as a creative director in a lot of ways, and I understand food and beverage sometimes better than the agencies and, and the clients understand themselves because they've never shot it in this way before. They, they're they used to, they're still campaigning. And they're only they're, working on one brand. You're working with all right, types of different many, brands. Yeah, so you're, exactly. Yeah, you're putting a lot of different. Everything from brown cola to, you know, clear liquid to yeah. you, you name it. Yeah. And I would imagine, uh, like, because you have this technology, maybe some of these art directors haven't utilized it as much. So is it kind of like coaching them about, like, why we're going to use these robots and things like that kind of yeah that's usually part of the treatment is kind of explaining why i mean now you know they're becoming more and more common in in a lot of shoots that they have an understanding of at least the the camera robot they understand the when you're getting into like the rigs and the other things we we make which are also in some forms robots whether they're driven by pneumatics or different motors or whatever it is um that's where they're a little confused but I've done enough of the work that you could look on my Instagram and you could look at my website and you kind of get it. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. Now now it makes sense. Yeah. And is it like, because like, if you look at your Instagram, like I think one one of your most famous shots is you have this burger shot. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone always asks you about it where it's like you guys got the bun, the meat, the vegetables, everything landed on this one thing. Like how much preparation goes into a shot like that? And like, are you guys testing that out? Like, days and weeks in advance before the client even shows up on set like how much like maybe you could talk a little bit about this the preparation that goes into like some of these shots you know yeah and kind of circling back to where you started the production question too was um yeah usually we you know we'll have we'll go straight from the treatment and you know they're like we love this idea all right let's let's we're gonna shoot it like you got the job here we go so at that point Yes, lots of testing. Like I have a meeting with my rigging team, which is Matt and Riley. Yeah. And um, we'll kind of sit down, we'll break down every shot. Like this is what I'm thinking for the camera movement. This is what I'm thinking for the action. These are the things I'm worried about, like with the product, because it's like a weird product, whatever it is, you know, like is everything has its like ups and downs. Yeah. And often we have a plan A and we have like a plan B if that doesn't work the way we think it's going to work yeah. as we started getting into testing. Because our biggest nightmare is usually like there's something custom we need that either has to be made or shipped from China or something. And these shoots move really fast. So if you make our plan a, and then we find out like the day before the shoot that it's not working, we already have to have the parts for plan B here waiting. Uh, We have a lot of stuff. I'll show you around the studio. There's a reason we call it the garage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, and that's the whole key. We have a full workshop here with a milling machine and welders and all these kinds of stuff. So that in the middle of a shoot, if we have to pivot, which is pretty much always, we could correct something that's not working right and make it work beautifully. Yeah. And I think without the access to all that stuff, it's really, really difficult unless you have enough time to like prep it way, 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 way in advance. Yeah. Um, but to go back to your burger comment, that shot took me a long time because that was my first foray into this whole world, basically. Um, and that, like, I did, I did that all completely myself. So I built the machine, like this Arduino powered machine that like, called Patrick that like triggered all these little servos and whatever. And so that was like a, kind of a two day shoot with like a month of prep ahead of time. But we just did a shot similarly for another client the other day. And that one shot was part of a full day of other shots. And we did that shot in like an hour and a half. Wow. So, yeah. you know, once you, I Every think that, that's the thing about the engineering side of, 
this visual engineering that we're doing is that you build a machine and a system and a way of doing something that then once you have that designed, you could apply it to other things in the future. Yeah. That's why my shoots keep getting crazier and crazier. Cause like yeah. we have all the simple actions down. Now we're just adding, you build on it. you're building on it. And, and that's a really exciting part about the systems are kind of creating and that we, every job we learn new things and we create new things and yeah. you know, we're just every day we're getting stronger. Ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah. Cause like one of the other one that was wild, uh, I believe the campaign was like something united, uh, oh, not enough divided. Yeah. And that one looked wild because you were, if I believe it was like chalk or something and powder, it was like yeah, powder yeah. outlines of the, uh, States of the, of the United States, each state. And then they would like explode. And with that, maybe I could be wrong. The amount of time just to make the outline of the states probably took a ton of time, and then it's you—you you probably just get one shot, like, in the, or else you got to go back to the square one, right? Like, that—that that seemed like a pretty challenging shoot. Or yeah, that was uh, the t- the styling time was more than I anticipated on that one. Yeah. Uh, well, the the we've done a lot of powder, like single layers of powder is not so bad. You make a either laser cut or three D printed stencil, so that you're only putting the powder within the stencil. Um, but on that one, we were laying different colors. So like on the United States, it was all about the red and the blue states from the last election. So we had to lay down, actually we lay, lay down a base of, I think, white, and then we put the blue and then we put the red and like each of those shots took like two hours to reset. So basically you figure we had, we shot like a 12 hour day. We only got like six or eight shots done in the whole day. And once again, each one really has to count. But I mean, the reality though is it's not so different than when I shot film and shot with an eight by 10 camera and you had to like, really, you're like, each shot is like a million dollars for a college student, you know? So you have to like really concentrate on what you want and make sure that you're, I think that makes you a better artist because you're, you're more committed to your vision of what you want to capture. And um, I mean, and then you have a team that helps you as well, like on that particular, you know, because that was just a pro bono thing I created myself. Wow. Um, I had the video editor that was going to edit it and we kind of of came down to the end of the night and I was like, okay, I either do this shot or this shot. Which one do you think will work in the edit better? So she chose this one and, you know, there you go. So I think you always have to be shooting for the edit when you're doing video as part of the challenge. Yeah. Measure twice, cut once, as they say, you know? (laughs) That's exactly the way. Um, And, you know, looking at your your website, it's, uh, I noticed you used to be, it was stevegeralt.com. And now you, your business is called The Garage. I was wondering what kind of made you shift into that. Like, what was kind of... Yeah, so, I, you know, I was forever Steve Draw Photography. It was what I did when I did photography. Yeah. And uh, then we kind of shifted into Steve Draw Visual Engineering. Um, but my vision, the moving to the, the name of The Garage, is more going to the... Okay. Yeah, I'll just wait for that. Yeah, yeah. we'll pause. <laughs> right. Moving to the name The Garage, for me, is more about the future and where we're trying to go. So now the garage is its own standalone production company. So we want to actually bring on other directors, not just myself, that are going to become part of the garage. That's all right. <laughs> They're going to become part of the garage. Yeah. Um, they're going to be like-minded directors. We actually just kind of teamed up with our first one just recently. Um, he's going to start with us next month. So they would work in your studio? Yeah, they're, they're basically we would produce shoots for multiple directors, not just for Steve anymore. Got it. So basically the goal is that... We have people that have different styles and different, you know, aesthetics and way of shooting. So basically, they're different creatives, yeah. but they work in a similarly 
you know, empowered way with technology and rigging and all the things that we do so that it's not just about Steve anymore, but it's about our way of working and empowering multiple directors to do work, not just myself. Got it. Um, part of, you know, there's two sides for why I'm doing that. A, I want to have time to really concentrate on innovation and doing just the very best work for myself when I'm shooting for clients. Yeah. Um, and when I'm doing that, or if I'm traveling for a job somewhere else, like the studios here are dead and we're paying all these people. Yeah. So it'd be more ideal if all the stuff is being used every day and we're empowering other directors to make great art. Cause either way I make money. If they're shooting, I'm still renting my stuff. And yeah. you know, if I'm shooting, I'm shooting. So it's fine. And once again, I respect so much of my competition. There's so many great people that do great work out there that I have no power, you know, collaborating with them on jobs if it makes better images. Because that's at the end of the day, like we just want to do the coolest stuff. You know, like we want to make amazing, cool, never before seen. People think it's all CGI or whatever. Yeah. Like work, and I feel that trying to do that in your own vacuum and not having other people around and other collaborators around is a little limiting. So. Yeah. The garage, you know, the idea of the garage is, is that, is it's not just about me, it's just about, it's about the vision of innovative vision, you know, eh, making innovative visuals um, driven by technology. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, like, looking at your career, like, like we kind of talking about, like, you continually keep kind of scaling up, and it's like, is it... Are there like times where it's just nerve wracking, kind of making that jump, and it's just kind of you're almost you're investing in yourself pretty much? Is that it's kind of some you're constantly kind of trying to do pretty much is kind of put constantly back. innovating? Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's super nerve wracking. We're about to do another one now. Uh, we're looking at moving our studio actually out to Brooklyn, okay, because um, we need more space than what we have here in Midtown, and that's going to be a huge investment. It's going to be you know you know twelve thousand square foot space with you know, huge, you know, everything. And, and we actually have two studio spaces because um, we also want to get more robots. <laughs> we're out of room here. We can't fit any more robots here. So yeah, we're once again, and like I'm getting a space that is probably bigger than I would comfortably say I should get right now, but I know I'm going to fill it. You're going to grow into it. We're always going to grow into it. Like this current studio, like we took on new space like two years ago. And like, I swear the next week we're like, okay, when do we get more space again? Cause we already filled that one up. Yeah. So, uh, and especially bringing in other, other directors, other people, more robots, all, all the stuff that we're trying to do. And then education as well. We're definitely gonna need the space. No, it's exciting. Yeah. Cause like with the education thing, like how do you envision that? Like, um, working will it be like kind of like a subscription thing like yep, linda, be very, like linda kind of deal like a master classy kind of thing yeah. yeah so basically i mean there's a lot of amazing information on the internet now about image making cinematography and all sorts of stuff but i feel there's no one great high-end fully in-depth collection of work especially in tabletop mm -hmm. you know like i mean we're starting in tabletop from the get-go because that's what we know the best and that's what we're really going to dive into and every aspect was like we're going to teach you like hand hold your hand through the whole process of how to learn the techniques the storytelling how to estimate them how to market yourself how to you know we're going to have stylists that are going to teach food styling classes and prop styling and all, all the things production classes because basically there's there's a lot of information here and there and over here and over there and yeah. you know that's how I learned a lot of this stuff but we really want to be kind of the one collection where yes you're going to pay a small subscription fee and you'll get access to all this stuff and then we'll also have kits that you could actually build things yourself too because I feel 
like just watching a video isn't enough sometimes so we're gonna have like a make your own catapult kit so <laughs> we send you all the pieces and an instructional video that goes step by step and teaches you about pneumatics because now you'll you you're not just getting a catapult you're learning about pneumatics and that's yeah that's the whole tie and the same thing we'll have a remote follow focus kit um, that'll work on your camera so you have, you know f- control your focus remotely for a few a couple hundred bucks like yes you could probably buy one from china for a couple hundred bucks but you won't learn how servo motors work and how the gears work and how arduino you know like it, it's getting the thing that you need at, at still at a cheap price but you built it yourself and then you could also modify it and do yeah, other yeah. things with it so the idea is it's kind of like legos for your like which is kind of what we do here is we're always slapping things together big big steve's got big legos <laughs> yeah we got really big legos uh, but yeah but building up from like the beginner classes will be designed to be shot like on an iphone okay intermediate is like somebody with a regular camera like a dslr or you know red camera or something and then advance is really for the advanced people the people who have access to robots and phantoms and you know whatever it is yeah um and we we're really excited to inspire the the beginners and the intermediate people to push their level you know their their comfort level a little bit i mean a lot of our followers are still photographers that are trying to do video and it's a big transition and and i i learned it the hard way i just started learning i was like what's frames per second what how many do i need is it why is it 23 9 8 why isn't it 24 (laughs) 30 like like we're gonna answer that the goal is to answer all these questions so that and have a true video editor or colorist or whoever answer them for you so that you know you're not getting misinformation from across the internet and we're gonna bring in other partners and other you know grips and gaffers and you know other companies to help teach these classes that's cool like you're not like afraid to share your knowledge like because like i know some photographers maybe it's more back in the day but like they don't they don't want to share what they're working on or like uh, their knowledge of things like that like you don't mind like kind of sharing everything you've learned pretty much yeah i mean the reason i get hired isn't just because of what I've done in the past, that's what I'm going to do in the future. You know, and that, that I think traditionally in tabletop, people haven't shared a lot of information thinking that like, oh, people are going to steal my techniques and they're going to get my jobs. And the reality is like, I'm not interested in getting more of the exact same job I already did. I'm yeah. most interested in doing the next coolest, biggest, most amazing job. Yeah. And anybody that's just trying to copy what I'm doing is always going to be trailing yeah. in, in the footsteps of what we're doing. And, you know, the reality is person that's driven enough to compete with me yeah. is going to figure it out either way and then you can come work at the garage and you can come be a part <laughs> of the garage exactly um a couple more questions i'll let cool. you go um i guess i was kind of curious uh being that you mostly work in motion now um do you shoot any still anymore and like what's your kind of thoughts on like still photography business these days is it even like a viable career path or like oh, it's still definitely viable yeah. um i mean it's still i still do some stills um, since we launched the garage, I took my still photography off the site because it's really a video production company is really the, the goal we're trying to go to. Uh, when clients need stills, we send them a portfolio that we have yeah. uh, as a private link, basically. But um, no, I mean, it's getting I mean, I think what's happened to stills is coming for video in the near future where it's just the technological hurdle to make decent imagery is coming way down, you know, which is scary to some people or empowering to other people like i think the fact that you know let's say 10 years down the line i think a lot of brands will be doing all their own imagery in-house for their everyday stuff and then yeah and which is already happening today but i think it's going to actually happen more in video than it is happening today and then the true creatives will stand out that are going to be doing those big campaigns and the really most creative most amazing work and that's where 
with the start of education and, and everything, I'm kind of prepping myself for that future where I'm going to be the guy that could be doing the really innovative stuff. And then I could also be helping teach the people doing the more everyday stuff. So um, it's kind of the best of both worlds for me in that I do enjoy teaching and I also do enjoy making innovative work. Damn, that's exciting. And I guess just to wrap up, my last question, I guess uh, you kind of touched on it. Uh, what's next, man? What's, what, <laughs> what's, what's got you interested uh, now in January 2020? What's January got- 2020, almost February already. I know, it's crazy. What's, um, uh, yeah, well, what's- I, I wouldn't lie if my mind is very concentrated on this moving to Brooklyn thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and interviewing architects and oh, uh, you know planning finances Damn, and so all you got, this You stuff. guys are building it? Like, or, you well, know, it's an empty space that we have to build it. out all got the walls it. and the power and all, yeah, the, yeah, all yeah. this stuff. But, uh, but no, I mean, I think in you know our two focuses right now starting this year is we really want to get education off the ground um and we want to get the garage's roster really off the ground as far as a business those are all business goals and and education is a real personal one for me where i really want to get that off the ground um as far as innovation and the work and the crazy the crazy crazy that we're going to do uh we have a lot of cool ideas that we're playing with um a lot of it goes to merging technologies a little more with gaming um so a little more of you know because basically we're we're working in this you know we all live in a 3d world but we're working in this xyz kind of coordinates world with the robots and everything they do so we want to use you know motion capture and other things and and you know unity which is like a gaming software that gives us gravity and other things so we could actually program the robots using these softwares instead of actually having to manually tell the robot to go from point a to b to c to d to e so i could actually let's say get a bottle of liquid and spin it in the air with gravity and then see what it does in the in the video game engine and then export that move so that the robot will make the ro- the bottle do that in real life so yeah. i mean that's a big push of where we're going next which is like how do we integrate ourselves with 3d better um the other one is we build our. We haven't touched on this the whole time, but we build our own lights. All our oh, own yeah, lights yeah, are like, yeah. completely custom made. We have our own. Uh, we call it the Tower of Power over here, which is a. Uh, it's like twenty thousand watts of LED power that we have. And what made you want to make your own lights? Nobody makes what we want. You just need bright, it just doesn't bright. exist. We need brighter, flicker-free, dimmable, small, lightweight, yeah. like all the dream things that we need because we need to move them on robots and we need to yeah, move them family. around yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we need lots of light in what we shoot. Yeah. So we just, you know, year three, three or four years ago, I built version one and now we're up to like version three. Yeah. And it's pretty amazing. That's doing, we had like custom chips made in China for us and all sorts of stuff. We've we've kind of gone all in on the, the, the custom LED light <laughs> realm um, we're so much that we did, you know, two set five day shoot last week and we didn't rent any lights. It was all our own wow. stuff. So, and all both phantoms. So it's, you know, the, the main light we use is the same power as like an M18 HMI RE light, yeah. but like a, a tenth of the weight and the, the same wattage, but it's way smaller and way easier to move. And it's dimmable and flicker free at all dim, you know, which Damn. barely any lights do at all. So, um, so yeah, pushing the LED, the custom lighting system, like another step forward is also the next you know few months. Damn. Well, Steve, uh, pleasure to talk to you, man. I could talk to you for ten more <laughs> hours on this stuff. It's really interesting what you're doing. It's fun geeking out. So, so I can't thank you enough. And I guess for people listening, if they want to check out more of your work and stuff, where's the best place to go for that? Uh, my Instagram, Steve Geralt, uh, G I R A L T, or the website, the Garage TV. Perfect. I'll link it. And uh, thanks so much. Cool. Thanks so much. 
So there you have it. That was the Steve Geralt interview. Uh, this one is thanks Steve and everybody is at his studio for uh, setting this up and um, let me come down to his studio and interview him. It was a real pleasure talking to him. Um, like I said, like, he's doing some really amazing work right now with ro robotics and pneumatics and uh, just really interesting stuff. Like if you heard in the interview, he's like building his own lights and uh, just always pushing his work. Just really uh, a lot of respect for what he does. Um, so definitely go check out Steve's work. Uh, his website is the-garage.tv um, that's the name of his production studio the garage uh, lots of amazing projects up there so definitely give that uh, check out and uh, as well as his instagram at steve geralt he's always posting up cool projects he's working on the kind of behind the scenes and whatnot so definitely go give him a follow and as always i'll be having weekly podcasts every monday on itunes spotify as well as my website alexgagnephoto.com and on my instagram at alexgagnephoto Thanks so much for listening and take care.